Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to, well, I can't see you, but it's good that for us to be together this morning um, for Good Friday. Let's um, go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for this special time to focus, to put our thoughts upon you. Lord, as we listen to your word, as we contemplate what it means, by your spirit, would you please apply it to each of us? Would you do a deep and lasting work in our hearts? Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 23, uh, from verse 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said. Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, 
stood at a distance watching these things. Each year, Good Friday, I have a sense that this is the day we're encouraged to be sad, that it's a serious day. Why is it a serious day? Why are we encouraged to feel sad as I feel like I, I am? I'll tell you something that we shouldn't feel sad about. And the clue here is in the text. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. I don't think Jesus is wanting us to weep for him today. He's not wanting our pity or our sympathy. Which is a little bit strange to me. It kind of feels like we should be sad for Jesus today. But this is what he says to them. Don't weep for me. On the surface, the story I just read for you is a tragedy. Jesus is innocent. He's been condemned unjustly. He's being led away by soldiers. He's being mocked by those who have power. And those who love him are off at a distance and they're watching this all unfold helplessly. Shouldn't we feel sorry for Jesus? And yet he says, don't weep for me. In fact, if we look a little bit more deeply at this story, Jesus is the person we should feel pity for the least of all those in this scene. Because Jesus, out of everyone here, is the only one who sees clearly. Luke chapter 18 from verse 31, Jesus took the 12 aside. This is... Um, some time before these events took place. He's not even at Jerusalem yet and he says, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will, he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them and they did not know what he was talking about. No one knew what was going on here on the day of Jesus' crucifixion except Jesus. Jesus was the one who saw everything clearly. He saw it before it happened. Jesus is the only one who sees what lies beyond the cross. He says to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus knows what lies beyond his death and he says to those who are weeping for him, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves because you're the ones who can't see. As Jesus was coming up to Jerusalem, this is back in chapter 19 of Luke, listen to what goes through the Lord's heart as he comes up to the city that he loves. He approached Jerusalem and when he saw the city, this is Luke chapter 19, verse 41, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. 
they will dash you to the ground. You and the children within your walls, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus isn't feeling sorry for himself or asking anyone else to feel sorry for himself. Jesus is weeping for those who can't see. Jesus sees everything so clearly, but he weeps for those who can't see. They can't see that he is their king, that God himself has come to them, but they can't see it. Of all those who are gathered there on that day, Jesus is the only one who sees. He's also the only one who forgives. Look at the rulers, the people who are supposed to be in power here. Verse 35, the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. They're mocking him. We'll, we'll give you a hand. You need our help. Here, have a little bit of wine vinegar. Come on. If you're so great, why don't you save yourself? Who should we feel sorry for here? Jesus or for those who look like they're in power? Jesus wouldn't have us feel sorry for him. In fact, the heart of Jesus is compassionate to those who are doing this to him because he sees that they need his help, that actually they are the helpless ones, not him. Father, forgive them, he says in verse 34. They just don't know what they're doing. In the midst of hate and mockery, Jesus alone loves and Jesus forgives. Who should we feel sorry for in this scene? Finally, Jesus alone is the one who gives hope. Out of all the people gathered there on this day, you would think that Jesus is the one most to be pitied and yet he is the only one who's offering hope here. One of the criminals beside Jesus hung, who hung there, he hurled insults at him. Aren't you, the one, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Once again, our hearts can sometimes think, well, that's pretty mean. That's pretty mean for that guy who's crucified there beside Jesus, deservedly, and he's mocking Jesus. Leave Jesus alone, why don't you? But Jesus doesn't feel the need for anyone to defend him. What's the situation of this criminal? The other fellow rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. What does it mean for someone to be about to die and there is no fear of God in their heart? No respect for God? Who should we feel sorry for? Jesus? Or this criminal who's about to face God with no fear of God in his heart. And yet Jesus, dying in pain just like this criminal, he knows what his future is and he anticipates this beautiful word when he says to the thief on the other side of him, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise. Should we feel sorry for Jesus? Jesus isn't feeling sorry for himself. He's anticipating being in the presence of a father in the new creation. 
So to conclude here this morning, Jesus didn't die a helpless victim. Listen to the way he died in verse 46. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus' death was on purpose. He trusted God. So if Jesus doesn't want our pity or our sympathy on Good Friday, what does he want from us? And this is the most wonderful part. What Jesus invites us to do is not to pity, to feel sad for him, but to trust him. And we take our example from the second criminal on the cross. Listen to what he says. He says, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Everyone else is mocking him. You think you're a king? Prove it to me. This man already believes. Jesus is his king. And he acknowledges that he needs Jesus' forgiveness. We are punished justly. Jesus, remember me. I wonder if we could do that this Good Friday. That we can look at Jesus, not with sympathy, not with pity, but with a heart that knows his compassion and his sympathy is towards us. This is why he came. And that if we take him as our king and look to him for forgiveness, then we can be blessed too, like him. Let's pray. Jesus, even on the day of your greatest pain, you were loving us, especially on this day. Lord, please help us to be humble, to recognise our need, to give our life to you as our leader and king, and to receive from you the love and compassion and forgiveness that we all need. And I ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. but we're only together in a very limited way. Uh, we're together um, with our hearts and our minds, uh, together around this death uh, of Christ. Um, but do you know, we're, what we're doing now is it's pointing to the time when we will all be together again. And that's my longing and my desire that there's coming a time when we will be together again and we'll break this bread and drink this cup together, um, physically together. So even though uh, there's distance between us, um, we're going to, and if you want to um, grab your, your grape juice or, or wine or bread, um, whatever you've got um, at hand, and if you haven't got anything, that's, that's okay. <coughs> Let me read for you from the chapter immediately prior to where Dale was preaching from. It comes from Luke chapter 22 and uh, it's recalling uh, 
the Lord's Supper on the first occasion. And this is what it says. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and it gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So if you would like to um, take the bread in your hands now, um, we uh, are remembering together uh, the giving of Christ's body for us. And, uh, and I'm, listen as I, as I read this text of scripture. Remember from, from what it says in verse 13. And he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let me pray before we eat this bread together. Lord Jesus, we are bowing our hearts and our minds and our heads um, before you, acknowledging, Lord, uh, that you are the one that has come and died in our place for our salvation and for the covering of our sins, for the healing of the disease of our soul and for the welcoming us back from enmity into beautiful, holy friendship with our Father. And so, Lord, we are saying thanks uh, for this bread that is broken for us. I'm going to encourage you now. Will you eat this bread together? you've got uh, some grape juice or, or wine with you, um, I'm going to ask you if you'll take that in your hands now and uh, listen to verse 20. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant. pray before we drink this cup together. Lord,
shed your blood and your word says that there is um, a blood poured out it's the blood of a new covenant a promise a promise of forgiveness a promise of life a promise Lord that we would be united with you um, together forever and so for this cup Lord you provided for us, representing your blood, we give you thanks. So I'm going to ask you now if uh, you will drink your cup together. We're coming close to our time spend a few minutes together in prayer. And Father, we come to you now acknowledging that you are a powerful, powerful God. You rule um, the universe with unsurpassed power. And you've come down in the person of your son, Jesus, uh, for our salvation and for our life and for our good. And so, Lord, thankful, Lord, that you poured out your spirit, um, that we could be believers um, in this world, uh, this dark and painful world. Uh, you have filled us with light um, through um, Christ and you poured out your spirit in our hearts. And so, Lord, we are already rejoicing with great joy um, for all that you've done for us. Father, we want to pray for the city in which we live the city of Wagga, um, we're praying, uh, Lord, that this city would um, have a beautiful sound, uh, like a, a bell going across the city, uh, a gospel bell, that many would hear about Christ and many would believe and have his life and salvation. And uh, Lord, uh, for us here in the city, all isolated as we are, we're asking and I'm asking, Father, that you would be at work in holy ways, um, deep in our hearts, taking us ever deeper with you, those of us that know you already, that your word would sparkle with light and your spirit would move in power in our hearts and our minds. And that, Lord, that we would be engaged in um, our um, communities by whatever contact we're permitted to have. In, in love and in devotion and serving our community, uh, Lord, and this city and this region uh, for the blessing of many. And Father, I want to pray for the world. Lord, there uh, is a pandemic sweeping the world um, right across um, in many, many places. And Lord, people in pain and people are dying. And we're gathering as believers, Father, and we're crying out, for this broken world. And we're asking, Lord, in the midst of um, pain and even in the midst of death, Lord, that you would be showing yourself uh, faithful and good, uh, the hope of the nations, Lord, and many would be turning to you. Lord, I think of um, our precious people, missionaries all over the world. And, um, Lord, I'm praying for them as well. 
Lord, that you would uh, have your hand of grace and mercy on them, that they might stand fast for you, and that you would give them resources through your word and your spirit for them to love and hold fast to you. And Lord, um, as we now uh, come to the close of our service, where we're asking, Father, that you um, would be present with us by your spirit, ministering deep into our hearts and lives. Lord, that uh, as we go into the day, Good Friday, or even into tomorrow, Easter Saturday, and as we come eventually um, to our celebration service on Easter Sunday, uh, Lord, journey with us, holding us by the hand, uh, teaching us things from your word and by your spirit that we might grow in Christ. And we praise you, Lord. We are going to sing our closing song, Worthy is the Lamb. I'm going to ask you if you can sing this song as a prayer of thanksgiving, thanking the Lord for the cross and for the blood that he shed. <laughs> 